everybody once again and welcome into episode number 60 of the Hippies and Cowboys podcast. My name is Garrett McKee. I'm one of your hosts. Joining us as always is your co-host Mike Hart. We are the Hippies and Cowboys podcast and we are bringing you the best of the country music world like nobody else will tell it. Thanks so much to each and every one of you who's tuning into this show today. We really appreciate you. We'd love it even more if you'd go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you really like the show, please share it with your friends. Every little bit that you guys do helps, including sharing our posts on social media and engaging in the conversation. It's the easiest way for you guys to let us know what you want to hear on the podcast and give us your hot takes. You can also go support us over on Patreon. We have four different tiers there, and with each one comes a little bit more opportunity for you guys to leave your mark on what we're doing over here with this podcast and everything else that we're starting to get into. So go check that out and see how you can get involved. Here we are just a couple days before Christmas, and we have a little bit of a Christmas gift for all of you listeners out there. Our guest today is Brent Cobb. Brent just released a record here later in 2020. That was in September, and that one was titled Keep Em On They Toes. And I gotta say, in an absolutely stacked year for great country music, this one really does stand out. Certainly in my top five. We really hope you guys enjoy the show. Brent sits down with us for about an hour. We have several beers, a lot of laughs, and here's some unreal stories from Brent. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. We're going to kick today's episode off with a tune off of that 2020 record, Keep Them On Their Toes. This one is titled Soapbox. Enjoy the show, everyone. Merry Christmas, and thanks for listening. Where the crowd goes crazy when catastrophe strikes Nobody's feelings seem to come out right Talk is cheap and common sense ain't commonly found I try not to pay attention, keep on having my fun Minding my own, I'll be a son of a gun So and so down the road, don't like it a bit I keep sidestepping, they keep throwing me shit I don't preach no tricks, don't talk politics I'm just a casual singer, holding my stones and my sticks If I got a problem, my job is pour my heart in a song Hop off the soapbox and get along Well, there ain't no kitchen fitting all of these cooks If you're craving bacon, you may get dirty looks So what damn, suck it up and wash it down I believe having passion is worth more than gold Get old. Sometimes, Lord, all we can do is fight. It might drive me crazy, but it won't be tonight. I don't preach no tricks, don't talk politics. I'm just a casual singer 
my stones and my sticks. If I got a problem, my job is pull my heart in a song. Well, hot dog, your opinion is louder than mine. You might wear out my nerves, but you ain't changing my mind. My good God, let's hop off the soapbox and get along. That was Soapbox, um, Brent Cobb and Nikki Lane off of Brent Cobb's 2020 album, Sucking on Their Toes. And Brent is, <laughs> oh, sorry, keep, in, keep, keep them on their toes. My bad. All right. Yeah, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nailed it. Uh, oh, that was perfect. No, that's keep, keep them on their toes. No, no, no. You I, got it right I, the first time. Sucking on their toes. I spent, I spent, yeah, I, I photoshopped uh, Brent sucking on toes and and altered his his the the cover art on his album on saturday and i'm still a little giggly about it it's amazing <laughs> it was an amazing job i'm i'm oh, honored thank that. you thank you oh, <laughs> I, i'm honored that you're honored man it, i was worried that you're gonna see that and be like i'm fucking canceling that interview now hell no man what, what kind of what kind of what are we doing if we if like that's what it's I don't even know how to articulate this. What are we doing if you can't appreciate <laughs> good art on both sides? You and know yeah, what I'm and, saying? And laugh at yourself a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. People yeah. get people get ridiculous, dude. We need to Yeah. Right. Let's have fun, man. We're just all spinning around looking <laughs> at the sun come up and go down. You know what I mean? Right. Like <laughs> yeah, no yeah. shit. Uh, no shit. Yeah. You got that but, right. Anyways, Brent, man, we're we're honored to have you on. Um, yeah, man. And, Thanks for doing this. And yeah, I've I've been jamming that album. I've been jamming your music for a while, but man, that mm-hmm. this album has been uh, on repeat uh, in my classroom in particular, like just through the day. Like my my students have probably listened through your album without realizing it like eighteen times this year. Oh wow! <laughs> Thank <laughs> like, you, dude. But, yeah. Uh, well, th- my students should be thanking you or thanking me for. I don't know. They should think. They should think they're 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 professor. Um, I agree. 
Yeah. So soapbox is what was just played. What do yeah, you want? Yeah. What yeah. do you want to know? Ah, uh, shit, man! How'd you get hooked up with Nikki for it? Um, okay, I don't know. Well, you said you had a story, didn't you? It's, yeah. Uh, all right. So in 2017, yeah. uh, we went on the road to stagecoach tour, and Nikki was mm-hmm. the headliner, and uh, somehow we got on there. We had the same. We had the same booking agency at the time, and uh, okay. And you know, Nikki was being played on Lightning 100 in Nashville, which is like the independent music scene radio show, like the college station in mm-hmm. Nashville. And I, we were still living in Nashville at the time. And I remember hearing like Highway Queen and uh, some, I can't remember the other song. And, and honestly, if I'm being honest, sort of making preconceived notions about who I thought she mm-hmm. might, might be, you know? And, right. uh, and I I feel guilty because I, I I didn't know I I thought it was a little pretentious maybe, and mm. and then we went out on that tour, and dude, she is the realest person I have ever met. Oh yeah, and I and I met her her fam- mom and dad and her sister and everybody was so fucking cool, and mm-hmm. uh, her dad is awesome. He but but he's also he's like. Uh, Oh, uh, what's uh Dwight Yoakam's character in Sling Blade? Oh shit! Uh, uh, I always shit. forget that Dwight Yoakam's in Sling Blade. That, that's always Doyle. He's Doyle. Anytime it comes up, but Doyle. Doyle. Yeah, Doyle. he he is. Right. He's he's like that dude for real. I mean, she she had to. We wow. played uh we played the Gray Eagle in North Carolina, in Asheville on in North Carolina on that show, and she had to kick her own daddy out of the show and shit. Like he was. He he showed up in a sports no coat, and a cowboy hat, and some double H boots, and he had his little wiener dog with him, and uh, I it blew my mind. Uh, I I I couldn't believe how real she was. So we spent a whole touring yeah. season together, and we stayed in mm-hmm. touch and stayed friends. And uh, when I got ready to record, uh, keep them on their toes and soapbox, I knew that I wanted somebody to sing to be featured on that with me and i didn't i didn't know who exactly and um mike harris actually was the my guitarist that's been playing with me for the last four or five years um he said man why don't you get nikki to do it and uh yeah and so i asked her because when he said that i was like man She's perfect for it. All these other people are bitching about things going on and not that there isn't room to bitch about things going on, but right. Nikki doesn't bitch about anything. She just is a boss, man. She she owns <laughs> her own vintage clothing line. She she is a band, a songwriter, a she's a bad bitch, man. And uh yeah. So I asked if she would do it and she was way into it and we just we went in and did it, and, and me and my dad wrote that song, and so it was, it was really mm-hmm. cool to have Nikki be on it. And just, That's I awesome. mean, just with with your unique, <clears throat> smooth voice, and then her, her little bit of honky tonk twang, yeah, like this little like the inflection in her voice, just. You know, I know, I don't think anybody would pick a Brent Cobb and Nikki Lane to do a duet together and like 
be able to see how well that would work, but it works so so well, like almost I, unexpectedly I think, I well. I think it's because we are cut from such a similar cloth. We are yeah. we're we come from very similar background. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some clear chemistry just in that, and just the groove of the song, man. Oh, so fucking good. And and I'm me me and my wife are in love with her. We just love her. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's awesome, dude. Yeah, she's a cool cat. Yeah, you you talked about your your dad being a songwriter too, isn't that right? Um, Yeah. Talk. I mean, I guess talk a bit about like for some people who may not know, like your cousin dave of course dave cobb the producer i mean you've got quite a musical family from what it sounds like um how you know how i I think i I think i read somewhere that you met dave kind of later on in your years growing up but uh how you know how how did your parents and kind of your immediately family influence you when you were young to kind of take music seriously and yeah where did that all you know come from I come from a very musical family on both sides, my dad and my mom's side. My mom was from Cleveland, Ohio. I was born and raised in Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. But her brothers, you know, they're from Cleveland, the home of rock and roll, they say. And mm-hmm. so they were more into, like, Led Zeppelin and Beatles and um, the Stones and stuff like that. And then my dad and his brother, they had a cover band that uh, – they would, my uncle, my dad's brother, he would play like Ernest Tubb and Waylon and stuff like that. And my dad would do like 50s and 60s rock and roll. And um, so I grew up around it. I grew up around, you know, the first show I ever went to, they were opening for George Jones. And this is in 90, wow. 1990 or 91. I had this little place called the uh, Silver Moon in Buena Vista, Georgia. And, uh, I just grew up around it, man, and um, mm-hmm. it was it was always considered a trade, as much as appliance repair or heating and air is a trade. It was never gotcha. frowned upon. It was always my dad. My whole life, he would play at least Friday, Saturday, but sometimes Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. My whole life as a secondary source of income. So I just kind of grew up around it, around music. And, um, you know, in 92, Doug Stone, you remember Doug Stone? He uh, did, he, he did, sure. I'd be better off in a pine box on a slow train back to Georgia. Uh, he okay. did, uh, loving her in a different light. I see you. Anyway, big country dude in the 90s. <laughs> like, he flew my yeah, dad yeah. up. My dad opened a show for him. He was from Warm Springs, Georgia. His mom, like mm-hmm. my dad. She talked him into flying him up to Nashville, and um, my dad was going to sign a record deal in 92 with Giant Records at the time. And um, I remember we lived in a single-wide trailer at that time, and I can mm-hmm. remember being in my room. The walls are real thin in a single-wide, and hearing my parents mm-hmm. talking in the kitchen about whether or not my dad should do it, should go to Nashville and sign this deal and tour and be gone. And he chose not to because I was seven. Mm-hmm. My sister was three at the time. And he chose mm-hmm. to stick around home and uh, and just be a weekend warrior, do appliance repair by day mm-hmm. and a musician by night. And um, so I say all that to sort of preface 
when Dave and I met, I was freshly 18, and uh, I was a pallbearer in my great aunt's funeral. And we're from such a musical family that word got around this funeral that Dave was this big-time L.A. record producer. And mm-hmm. so we're all like, especially me, because I'm young and cocky and Southern <laughs> and skeptical. <laughs> yeah. I'm, we're standing around after the, the funeral, and I say to Dave, so uh, I hear you're a record producer. What you produced? And Dave says, <laughs> very humbly, uh, well, I just did this new album by this guy named Shooter Jennings called Put the O Back in Country. And it fucking blew my mind because that was all we were listening to. We were getting stoned as shit, and we had discovered <laughs> that record. And uh, yeah, man, I was working for a tree service crew. I was felling out of tech school, and uh, <clears throat> I had no ambitions. And um, he said that, and it blew my mind. And so me being young and Southern and sh- shameless <laughs> – after his grandmother's funeral, I gave him a little six-song acoustic demo of some demos I had made that my mama's brother had recorded in Franklin, Tennessee. And um, mm-hmm. two days later, I got off work, uh, working for that tree service, and I was at my folks' house. I didn't have a cell phone at the time. And uh, the house phone rang, and me and my best friend, Dylan Lee, we had just gotten super stoned. And I answered the phone, <laughs> and... Uh, Dave is on the other line. He goes, uh, hey, is Brent around? And I said, this is him. He says, hey, man, this is your cousin. We met at Grandma's funeral. Me and Shooter listened to your record, and I got him sitting here right now, and we want to fly you out to L.A. and record a record. What the fuck? Exactly what I said. <laughs> That's what the fuck I said. I look at my buddy sitting oh, at my shit. mama's kitchen table, both of us stoned as shit. And I go, fucking <laughs> shit. And uh, and it was crazy. It changed my life, man. I felt like you ever saw the movie Almost Famous? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I felt like that kid journalist in that movie where he goes on the road with steel water and he's just like a kid and he's just living it up. Mm-hmm. So that's how, so it, all, that's how it all began. You said you were 18 at the time when you got that call and flew out to L.A. Freshly 18, it was 2005. Right. And I mean, that, you know, that obviously turned into uh, No Place Left to Leave, which you just like re-released kind of here. What was that last winter, right? Yeah. Uh, top of this year, I did. Yeah. Top of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We, um, uh, I was just going to ask, like, how how is that like early experience being, being able to get in there with, you know, Shooter and, and your cousin Dave and... Like how how throughout you know throughout your career how is that early experience and being able to learn from those guys like at such a young age influenced you and like stuck with you throughout the years? In all ways possible. It's um uh, so before before that happened, I was I was song obviously I was writing songs and um yeah. But I didn't know the path. I didn't know how to, I didn't know you could be a staff writer. I didn't know you could, you know, be a, a music row co-writer, songwriter. I didn't, I didn't even know how any of that worked. Mm-hmm. And um, right. so I'm grateful that I went there first and experienced that because Shooter and Dave and Leroy Powell and Rowdy 
Cope, Jason Cope, they were attacking country music from a different uh, from a different angle than than perhaps I would have experienced had I moved to Nashville first. Mm-hmm. Nashville was writing strictly for the market, you know, and uh, right. for the most part. And going mm-hmm. there first, it was. I don't know. It was very anything that you did that was remotely rural or, or you know, just it was country. It was all considered country. There was no mm-hmm. box at all, and so to go mm-hmm. there first, it heavily influenced my later writing, and uh, hmm. it it gave me a confirmation that I could just write what came out and it could work as well. Mm-hmm. And it would find its way, you know. Absolutely. <clears throat> regardless of whether you move to Nashville because, or not. But, well, and I say that because that the first um, acoustic demo I did with my uh, other, my uncle, my mom's brother, who's living in Franklin, he had passed it along to some people he knew on Music Row. And I remember getting a letter back. I can't remember this dude's name, but he, he said, well, Brent has a lot of growing to do. And this is what the market's looking for right now. And this isn't what is going to work for the market and that sort of thing. And so, and I was sensitive. I'm still sensitive. Had I moved to Nashville first, mm-hmm. that would have fucked me up, man. You know? And yeah, so right. yeah. I'm grateful that I, that I went there first because it, it let me know that you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. You know, like if it's good, it'll get hurt. <laughs> <clears throat> right. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you would have moved to Nashville first, you'd end, you'd be ended up uh, writing songs with Luke Bryan or something now, you know. <laughs> I feel like that's a good segue into, into I think that, that right? I think that a, good, a good segue into uh, good times and good love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there's got to be a cool story behind find that for those listening that might not know or whatever think to guess you did write that song with luke bryan Uh um and have collaborated with with him before in in the past as well yeah do you want me to jump in now or do we do you pretend to play yeah okay oh you can talk about it first yeah so or luke all right so i went to la and i made that album with dave and then i went Mm -hmm. back and forth for a year and a half and um and then I moved there for about four months. And in that time, I was still playing with a local cover band back home called Mile Marker Five. And um, Luke is from Leesburg, Georgia, which is only about 45 yeah. minutes from where I'm from in Georgia. And uh, mm-hmm. we somehow, somebody knew somebody and we got an offer to open. Op- Luke was, this was just before he released his first big single, which was All My Friends Say. And we got offered to open some shows for him. And he was growing. We knew about him and uh, in Georgia, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so we opened the show. And then he I remember him standing in the crowd the whole time and watching the show. And afterwards, he mm-hmm. was like, man, you, you're like a Southern rocker, man. And uh, I had that album I had just made with Dave and Shooter. So I gave him that album. And... Uh, mm-hmm. And he asked my best friend and my bass player at the time, Sean Radford, for my number. And I didn't have a cell phone number, so he got Sean's number. <laughs> and he would stay in touch with me through my buddy, Sean. And um, 
he just always stayed in touch. And then when I got a phone number, Sean sent him that number, and he would just always stay in touch. And we just always kind of well, work. I don't know that I'd, I mean, we're friends, but we're not, we don't like hang out every day or anything. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I can remember going out to LA. I'm making a short story very long right here. I am aware of that. That's totally. But that's fine. because I've been drinking <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and writing. I ain't been off school long enough to be yeah. drinking, man. I'm jealous. But, uh, Me too. So I get back from LA and I go back to work for my dad. And we get up early one morning and we're drinking coffee. And we're standing in front of the TV and we got GAC on at the time. You remember GAC? And, uh, GAC. And all my friends say video comes on. And my dad goes, Man, he seemed like he really was interested in you. You ought to give him a shout. And I was like, That son bitch is too busy now. I ain't going <laughs> to give him a shout. And uh, the <laughs> next day, he called my cell phone and left me a voicemail and was like, Hey, Hey, this is Luke Bryan. You ought to give me a call. And uh, and so I call him. He invites me up to Nashville, and he introduces me to everybody in the business that, that he knew. And um, it was really cool. He and his wife put me up, and uh, it was just really, really cool. And so the next year, 2008, March of 2008, I moved to Nashville. And I went on my first co-writing experience was was with he and this guy named Jay Knowles. And uh, hmm. Jay Knowles wrote, Love you, love this town, love this ever-loving truck. He was a co-writer on that uh, Jack Ingram okay. song. Anyway, mm-hmm. so that was the first time Luke and I ever really hung. And then we didn't, we didn't, we talked, but we didn't ever co-write again for 10 years. And, uh, and, Y'all don't probably have access to it, but there's a lot of early Luke stuff that will blow your hair back. It's so fucking good. And uh, and now you can't blame him with what he put out. It like blew the fuck up and he started making a lot of money doing it. And so, of course, Mm -hmm. he's going to keep doing it. And it was different than anything anybody ever heard. And so a lot of people think that's all that he can do. But he's an amazing. Oh, he's an amazing piano player. That first co-write that we had, he played piano. We played in this. Back in those days, the Warner Chapel room was themed, and we were in the Liberace room at Warner Chapel, and they had a piano in there, and Luke sat behind a piano and played amazing piano. And so, really, the years go by, and ten years pass, and last year. I go, I would really like to get back in a room with that dude because I had never co-written at that mm-hmm. time when we first co-wrote. I was like, mm-hmm. and I froze up. I, I just had never shared my soul like that. And I didn't know what to say. I was kind of an idiot. And so we got back mm-hmm. in and uh, I, I hit up his manager and said, hey, could we get another co-write on the books? And so this time I had I already had uh, Good Times and Good Love started. And in my mind, I was picturing, imagine this for a second, if you will. There's a, <laughs> yeah. there's an award show, and there's an empty stage. A commercial, you come back from commercial, and there's an empty stage, and it's got a grand piano on it. And out walks dressed country classy Luke Bryan. And he sits down behind this grand piano, and he goes, 
Good times and good love don't last forever. Like some Ronnie Millsap shit. It would mm-hmm. blow your yeah. fucking mind, man. It, you'd be like, holy shit. I didn't see that coming. I can't say I wouldn't be impressed. Dude, he, he can do that shit better than you have ever heard. And so I took that song in with that thought in mind to him. And um, I, I, and I gave him the exact rundown that I just gave you. And, uh, yeah. and so we wrote that song and another song in about an hour. And um, that was it. He didn't record that one. Wow. I wish he would. Maybe he will someday. But Luke has just been a person in my life, in my career, since the very beginning. And uh, he's severely underestimated. Maybe not because of, you know, it's partly because of him. (laughs) But he's really (laughs) good. And uh, I think the dude has a whole lot of aces up his sleeve that people aren't even aware of. So I I think, I know for you it may be hard to believe, but. He's he'll reveal shit. He'll be around a long time, whether you love it or hate it. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I've heard that before too. I've heard just sprinkled in throughout like discussions that that Luke Bryan is is a has a, a whole other dynamic to to who he is as an artist for, yep. than than just what you hear. Um, but that's an interesting story, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing it and. Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure the listeners will love all that shit. Well, if he can do it, then I why mean, don't he do it? Fuck I, him for not it's doing cool. it. I'd be interested to see him do it, you know? Fuck it. But anyways, uh, Good Times and Good Love, Brent Cobb, co-written with Luke Bryan. Enjoy. Good times and good love don't last forever. And that's too bad. Two things I really like You know you make the good times even better So let's get together and make some good love last all night I've had more fun than any one man should be allowed Writing songs and singing them To my kind of crowd If I've learned one thing From my honky-tonk heroes It's when a girl like you shows up A man settles down Good times and good love don't last forever. That's too bad because those are two things I really like. You know you make the good times even better. So let's get together and make some good love last. Oh, It'd be a sin to 
pretend this is forever That that full moon will hang on by thread for all time Oh, but the truth is we got each other for right now to make it count Cause that morning sun Is sure enough bound to shine And darling good times And good love Don't last forever That's too bad Because the two things I really times even better let's get together this good love last all night let's get together this good love last all Right, there you have it good times and good love by brent cobb off keep them on their toes 2020 and uh brent's still hanging out with us here having Kicking. a beer cheers by the way cheers <laughs> yeah i i during during the break i had to run and fill up my glass i'm out of beer dude i, I got franzia yeah, boxed good. wine i'm keeping her fucking classy today man yeah really nice oh yeah <laughs> i got my pinky i up. think it's uh Something that uh, I was kind of thinking about before we, before we got on here, and like, kind of connects to you know what we were just talking about with Luke and everything, because obviously you two have you know I I don't think it's unfair to say that you two have a bit of a different sound and kind of approach to the way you do things, right? Um, but I just wanted to say to you, like, I think it's important that there is artists out there, like. I think you, you and like Stapleton, Haley Witters, Ashley McBride, these types of people are there to kind of bridge the gap for people maybe between what they would hear for like mainstream country music, you know, when we start talking about Luke and some of the others. And then, like I said, bridging that gap to, you know, like Americana or what some people call like real country, sure. that type of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I think is it's, that it's, something that you ever think about? you know, as when you're creating. Yep. It is exactly what I think about. I think, and I think it's always existed with like Willie Nelson, man. You know, I mean, he, he was writing, yeah. you know, crazy and hello walls and all that stuff. And, uh, people had never heard that before. And you're talking about mm -hmm. at the time acts that were pop country crossover acts, you know, and uh, same mm -hmm. goes God, with I mean, his whole album, like Stardust, right? Like, totally, man. And same goes with uh, Roger Miller or Dolly Parton. You know, they were they were all doing what I, I what what I'm trying to do now. You know, which is exactly that. I believe in both sides right. of the fence. You know, yeah. And, and the re and I, and I think the reason I believe in it so much is because I've experienced both sides. Like I was saying earlier, had I come to Nashville first, I wouldn't have known that that L.A. super free side of the fence, right? Mm -hmm. And 
But because I experienced that first, I'm aware of it, you know, and I know that they can coexist. Right. I think what I think what helps, like, I think, you know, me as as just a listener, listening to you and the way you sing with such soul and a lot of your songs have that soul feel to them. Like, I think I think that soul really for people like at the end of the day, like trans I've said it before on this podcast, like transcends genres and like people's perception of what a genre even is, you know. Well, I I appreciate that. It's uh, I'm a songwriter singer. I don't know. What, I'm like I I don't really have a voice for a singer, but I'm I'm a I sing I sing good for a songwriter. You know what I mean? No, I totally disagree with you. Like no bullshit. Disrespect. Whatever, man. But I'm disagreeing, dude. I think <laughs> I was just dude. I, He's the shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's being he's being bashful. But here, I'm gonna t- before we get to our Patreon questions, I got a funny story. So right when uh, Keep Them on Their Toes came out, I was playing, I was listening through it, you know, because like during independent work, I'm a seventh grade math teacher, so they're working on their shit. I wanted to listen to the album. I I went to bed early the night before, so it was a Friday morning, and I'm I'm playing it, and uh, it came through to the world is ending, and you got to keep in mind I teach seventh graders i haven't listened to the album yet and the line comes up where i'm just sitting here picking out a, a ditty and there's like chuckles coming from the class they think i said like, titty they thought you were picking out a titty and i was <laughs> I, I was like wait did he actually say like i didn't i hadn't heard it yet it's the first oh, time i heard Lord. it they thought you were picking out titties and that wouldn't make like, any hey, sense I mean, to pick out a titty yeah i don't know like you're at a bar and like that looks like a good titty. Like Jimmy, Jimmy said he don't know some titties are better than others. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that titty. I, you know, <laughs> well, I'll take that. Well, you know what? I'll take that titty. <laughs> that's the one. That's the that's the one titty. <laughs> Just the left one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have two I'll have two of them. Two of them titties, please. <laughs> Buy one, get one free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. I had to share it. But yeah, that's good. I uh okay. I'll I'll mix in our two uh I got two Patreon questions for you, so I'll give everybody a little shout out here and uh let you answer them, I guess. We'll do a one at a time here. Uh, the first one comes from Will Howard Wendland. Thank you, Will, for the question. And his question hey, is... Nice three-name three name, name, by the way, Will. Yeah. Will yeah, Howard Lehman. Wendland. Wendland. Yeah. yeah. Wendland. Uh, all right. The question is, as a musician from the southeastern U.S., were there any musicians slash bands from the southeast that you looked up to and drew inspiration from in creating the unique sound of your music? Uh, absolutely. The first cassette tape I ever remember listening was a mixtape that had it had two songs on it. One was the live version of Freebird, and right after that was the live version of uh, um, Can't You See by the Marshall Tucker Band. Fuck yes. And that was, that was I was probably nine years old, and uh, I would listen to that shit over and over again. Until my dad let me borrow his Fender guitar and amp, 
and I was I was trying to record sounds on this tape, and I recorded over that whole thing. But I went, oh I, I learned by heart all of that, like just those two songs, but especially Can't You See. It was always so cool to yeah. me, and I, I just thought it was the coolest song in the world. Just the, awesome. the little riff in it, too, like just when, Man. You, when you first are starting to play, trying yes, to figure sir. that out when you get it, and you're just Come like, on, oh, toy I'll feel all warm well, inside. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what was our other one? Thanks there? to yeah, Will. Thanks, Will. thanks to Will for that question. And thanks to Will to Howard Carey. Winland. Winland. Uh second one here is from <laughs> Jason Potter. And he is gonna ask you. Um this album definitely feels warmer than past efforts. Kind of feels like home. How much did quarantine affect the overall sound of the record? Was it intended to sound this way before 2020, or was stri- stripping it down a result of circumstance? Quarantine had nothing to do with it. I, I recorded this album mm-hmm. in December last year, so December 2019, and uh, I, the songs had they were already there. I already had all ten songs, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a prophet. What can I say? uh, (laughs) yeah seriously like the the substance of the album it was uh perfectly with 2020 (laughs) i had all these songs that lended them obviously you could feel the tension in the air right we all live in america shit shit was already getting weird and you knew that this year was going to be an election year and so i wrote the majority of them you know even keeping our uh, uh shut up and sing was written the last two days right before I went into the studio and I finished it in the studio so I could, wow, I could feel what was happening, but I knew that I wanted the lyrics of these songs to be front and center. And I didn't want any instrumentation to get in the way of those. With a voice that make you feel mm. warm as a wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Did someone just turn on a TV. <laughs> yeah. There's a radio uh, station. Uh, Ron Burgundy's in here. Uh, I gotcha. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I guess a nice little follow up to that might be like you uh you worked with uh Dave Cobb on your first two records and then this time you made the switch and you you actually didn't work with uh Dave Dave didn't produce this album um what uh what was what were some of the big differences for you and like mm-hmm. you know how how did, how did that come to be that you ended up not working with Dave this time? Mainly it was, I was touring and I knew I had these 10, this batch of 10 songs. The first time I ever had a batch of 10 songs that I knew were going to be the only 10 on the record. And, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get them recorded and I didn't know why, but I just had them. I just needed to get them recorded. And so anytime that I would go, well, do you have this week free? He would be in the studio with somebody. And then he would ask me, do I have this week free? And he, and I would be on tour. And so, Really, we just we weren't able to get our schedules together. Um, with that said, um, I've known Brad Cook, who wound up producing it for since twenty. He's been a fan of he was a fan of Channel Rainy Day, and he's always been super cool. He put me and my whole band up in his house when we were broke as shit, and uh, he didn't know us at all. And I just love everything he's done. So when Dave and I couldn't link up, it it just. I just had to get it recorded, and Brad was who I called. Hmm. Well, it worked out a, a 
pretty damn I well. appreciate so, that, man. That, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's legit, like, I mean, I, when I when I tweeted that, that picture on Saturday and I said possibly the greatest album of 2020, that part was true despite the fact that. I can that feel that. I you had, don't have to explain your, don't yeah, explain yeah. a meme to me. Right. God damn it. That makes me feel like you don't. That makes me feel like it's in genuine now. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I wasn't like trying to mask the fact uh, that I just bastardized your album cover. I, I <laughs> wish you would do it well, more yeah, often. We need more fucked up memes about my shit. I'm tired of not being okay, in pop well, culture. Man. Say the word. I'll fucking. Do, I'll, I'll. Yeah. I'll just say the word. I'll, I'll look something <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, no sure. I know. There's going to be some fucked up shit coming tonight, boy. I'll, I'll get a hold of Gap Tooth and be like, he said green light. You fucking hammer oh, down. Fuck me up, dude. Oh. Give me your best shot. <laughs> That's funny. All right, you ready for uh, some rapid fires here? Yep, ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, I'll start it. Um, in the spirit of Halloween, I know it's almost Christmas, but in the spirit of Halloween, um, what kind of horror movie would you have the best chance of surviving? So think like ghosts, uh, like scream, uh, scream, scream, scream. Yeah. You fuck scream up. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Uh, scream was always my favorite horror movie. I remember being a kid when scream first came out, I was probably 12 or 11 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember asking my parents, they had never seen Scream. I was like, if you were going to kill somebody with a knife, how would you do it? And my folks looked at me like, oh, shit. And uh, I oh. was like, I'd do it like this. And uh, and, it, <laughs> and, it was, and it was the Scream way of doing things. Right, and, right, uh, right. And they, they had no idea that I was just mimicking a movie. So Scream. Because <laughs> awesome. I, because I know what was coming, right. right? Um, if you were able to have dinner with one historical figure, who would you have dinner with, and what would you have with a historical figure? Oh uh, shit! Uh, is Dolly Parton a historical figure? I'd she say, be. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Dolly Parton, because. She's the boss, and uh, I need to know what to do. But uh, she, you want to hear a funny story about Dolly? I, I have I'd two, love two funny stories that go in together. Um, All right. So the year that Channel Rainy Day was nominated for a Grammy, I was at the this party, and Sturgill was there. And uh, I, I had never that. really met Sturgill before. And so we're hanging out, and his wife's there, my wife's there. We're all hanging out. And I say, man, I got to know, like, what was it like hanging out with Merle Haggard before he died? That's really cool, man. You know, like, Merle invited you to his house. What was that like? And he said, man, (laughs) he said, Merle would just get stoned every day. And at one point of every day, he'd get stoned, and he would go to tell me about the one time that he almost got to sleep with Dolly, (laughs) which is awesome. And so then this leads me to my next part of this answer, which is, you ever watched any early videos of Willie and Dolly, like, singing together? Have you ever watched any of those videos? 
I mean, yeah, I've definitely watched a couple. Yeah. All right, so watch Willie because the only time that you'll ever feel creeped out about Willie Nelson is when he is singing with Dolly Parton when he's young. It's like that's a little creepy, Willie. Maybe you need to back off a little bit. And uh, <laughs> and I've, I've okay. often wondered, I've often wondered if back in the day, because Willie was a horn dog, you know, I've often wondered if <laughs> if like. If Willie back in the day tried to <laughs> try to make it happen with Dolly, and Dolly was like, "Not if maybe if me and you were the last two left," and I wonder if nowadays every, every now and again Willie calls Dolly and is like, "We're the last two left." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right, that sense, man. Oh man. <laughs> That's the best answer to any question we've ever had. I just, I just don't even want to. I, I just think we might cap it. Like, I, we don't even need to ask any more rapid fire questions. Like, that's, oh man. How do you follow that up? Like, fucking. That's amazing. Yeah, that's. That's a Hall of Fame <laughs> rapid fire answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, holy fuck. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. All right. Do, do I go to my too, next Mike. one? Hey. I do? Yeah. Okay. Finish them up. I'll do it. Okay. Uh, if you could. I don't even want to ask. Sounds stupid now. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> if you could play on any pro sports team, like what's pro sports? Team? Like, that's stupid. That sounds yeah, yeah, dumb. Yeah. I no, I have that, to know, but, though. Yeah, so if if you could play on any pro sports team, what would you play on? I don't really I don't really play sports. I played uh football, man. That's a funny story too. It might get a little racial. Right. Uh we uh I played <laughs> maybe I played <laughs> I played in school with a lot of bigger kids than me in fourth grade. And man, they would take turns wanting to whoop my ass, dude. They would take turns on the littlest oh, yeah. white kid on the field. They'd be like, "It's my turn now," and uh, whoop my ass out there on the field. And so, I don't really play sports anymore. I picked up a guitar <laughs> shortly thereafter. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So not football. All right, my- <laughs> yeah, so not football. <laughs> so no sport. I played baseball, but see, that's another story. I was playing baseball in uh, the the wrecked baseball field that we practiced on mm-hmm. through a tree line. My old band that I grew up when I was twelve years old playing in the garage that we pra- that, we, that we would practice in was straight through this tree line. And I remember being out on the field and I could hear that band playing through the tree line. And I'm out there running sprints and shit. And so one day I sprained my ankle. And uh, my coach, it was a new coach that year, he was like, man, you got to keep running. And I could hear my band playing through the tree line. And I said, no, I'm not going to keep running. And I, I just walked through. I, I, I hopped. I limped through the tree line to my band, and I never played sports again. So, And I just kept playing music. And so I will never play sports again. So there is no sports team. But I do love Fair the enough. Bulldogs and anything Georgia. I love the Braves. Even though they're both hard to root for, they they're both um, pretty easy to root for. They're like historically great 
franchises, both of them. No, the franchises, the franchise is great, but they'll they'll break your heart. Oh yeah. Imagine being a being being me in '95 when the uh, Indians and the my mom was from Cleveland, right? Imagine being a kid in '90. Mm-hmm. I think it was 95 or 96 when the Braves and the Indians went to the World Series together. It's a wonder I'm even here right now. Yeah, I mean, I was two, but yeah. We were were a household torn at the time. Yeah. That sounds rough. All right, uh, Garrett, do you got one? I got the last last one. We can can uh, let him get back to jamming out there. That's right, yeah. This will be the last one. We got, uh, what? what's your favorite song to cover? Probably Fire on the Mountain. I'm terrible at learning cover mm. songs. I'm, uh, I, I can only remember songs that, that I write. I don't have to write songs that I write down. But when it comes to learning other people's songs, I'm terrible at learning them, and I'm, I can't, mm-hmm. no lyrics ever stick to me. But I do know Fire on the Mountain by Marshall Tucker. All That's right. a good one. High quality tune. Um, there you have yeah. it. Well, so, you made it hey, what, through the rapid fires. Yeah, Garrett, you, you Garrett, did I fuck you up with the racial tension heard. question? I feel like your mood changed after I said racial tension. You what? Well, uh, Garrett, we're, I feel like after and I it, said it, it, this it might get real racial <laughs> that your mood changed. You scared oh, us. Oh, you're good, then. man. I didn't yeah. say racist. Uh, I said racial. Racial. No, it's no, like the Tom Segura skit. Like it. My dad's not racist. He's just racist. <laughs> the <ball's> racist. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, no, you're good. Okay. Uh, what what song did we decide on on ending? Are we doing uh, sucking on their toes? Oh, dust yes. Okay. <laughs> do you have, do you, you want to talk about that? <laughs> sucking the, on their yeah. toes. Uh, there's nothing really to say. I mean, that song was you know. It's me copping a Roger Miller song, really. It's Roger Miller's <laughs> version. It's me doing my song in the key of Roger Miller doing Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis. And um, and it's just Perfect. about it's about eating mushrooms and stuff. Yeah. That's something. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've... I, think, I thought we were going to try to wrap this up, but I, I did want to ask that, like... That was something I was maybe gonna w- sneak in there, but now we've kind of got through I the whole podcast. It. But maybe, it, <laughs> maybe I'll, uh, maybe maybe I'll sneak it in there. Like, how have your, uh, like, how have your, obviously, you know, everybody's aware of your connection to psychedelics and that type of thing. Like, I, I want to hear from you. Like, how, you know, maybe even on this record in particular, how have uh, your psychedelic experiences kind of influenced your songwriting and really left an impression on who you are as an artist? Entirely. Um, the only way I can tell you is to tell you the two major experience I had and, and they're it's a long story, but so I won't go all the way there, but it it's man I mean it you know, I don't know how much experience you have with mushrooms, but they they pretty much just confirm everything you already feel like you know, you know what I mean? But then when mm. you have that I call it the heaven level trip like you it confirms all the shit that you already know and uh right and how connected we all are we all are not mm-hmm. just as people but as i mean there was this happy little proud tree <laughs> when i was tripping in spokane that 
I connected with. <laughs> and I, I just believe that we're all fucking connected. And uh, I don't care if you're a tree or a squirrel or a cloud or whatever. You know, we're just all here to watch the sun rise and watch the sun set. And we all have the same emotions. And um, that's how that that's how that affected the album was just wow. being being aware of that connection. Mm-hmm. There it is. Beautiful. Right. Um, take her out. That seems that that seems like a good place to uh, cap things off, Brent. Thank you for uh, thanks for coming on the show. Obviously, everybody. I mean, BrentCobb.com, I assume, is the website. And yep. Usually we let you plug. We usually we take this time let you plug all the social medias and stuff. But I mean, I'm sure everybody know everybody listening knows yeah. who you are. Hillbillies and, you, and so. cowboys. Everybody should listen to this. I suppose who are listening to this already do, but everyone should <laughs> yeah listen to this. Yeah, damn plug podcast. ourselves. Hey, thank y'all for giving us shit. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the music and thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. We appreciate it. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you for tuning in. We are going to end today with, what are we going to, all right, we'll end with uh, Keep Them On Their Toes. All right. The title track from Brent's 2020 record. Um, Brent just kind of told us a bit about it. So uh, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. If you ever grow up, one thing you'll find Most people that you meet are just about out there, man They try to tell you how to live, they try to tell you how to die They tell you don't get too low, but don't get too high The best thing you can do don't listen too close Walk on to your own Keep them on their toes Keep them on their toes Your business out of sight And make them look left If you're gonna hang a right If the pie's hot Don't let them see your hand Make them gotta know What they wouldn't understand The best thing you can do When the ignorance shows Walk on to your own Keep them on their toes If you never grow up You ought to stay that way You can't learn What you ain't gotta change Just listen to your heart Listen to the rain Listen to whatever it is that keeps you sane Now I don't have to tell it Cause you already know Walk on to your own Keep them on their toes Keep them on their toes Your business out of sight Make them look left if you're gonna hang a right If the pot's hot, don't let them see your head Make them gotta know what they wouldn't understand The best thing you can do when the ignorance shows Is walk on to your own feet Keep them on their toes I don't have to tell it Cause y'all already know 
Walk on to your own beat And keep them on their toes Keep them on their toes, the title track from Brent Cobb's 2020 record. You can go purchase that one, and I highly recommend that you do, over at brentcobbmusic.com. That's brentcobbmusic.com. And not only can you go pick up a physical copy of that record, but Brent has some amazing merch. Got a slip mat, koozies. These t-shirts look awesome. Hats, you name it. Go check it out. Grab some gear, support Brent, and look good doing it. You can support us and look good doing it as well. I have the link for some of our new merch in the description to this podcast, as well as the links to our Patreon page, Twitter, and Instagram. And we would really appreciate it if you'd take some time and go check out every single one of those things. Of course, the easiest way to share our show is just by telling a friend about it, retweeting and sharing the posts when we announce a new episode on social media or whatever it may be. Just jump in on the conversation. We love hearing from you guys, and we have a lot of fun doing it. Lots of great stuff coming up in the new year. This will likely be the last episode of 2020. We will see. I might drop one before the New Year's yet, but if it is, thank you for an outstanding first year of the Hippies and Cowboys podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend you go check out our anniversary show. That one was a blast. And as I said in the intro and outro to that episode, all of this would not be possible if it weren't for every single one of you out there listening. So thank you. But regardless, I am going to take a little break from editing these shows and recording them. So... You'll either hear my voice in the new year or just before it, but I hope you all have a great holiday season, and thanks for tuning into the show, and thanks for all your support. That's it for today. Catch you next time. (laughs) 